Hi, I'm Charlotte. And I'm Anna. And this is Ace Chats. This is season three, where we continue to chat all things health, fitness, lifestyle, parenting, fashion, family, well-being, and so much more. We have loads of amazing guests and topics to discuss on this series. As ever, if you have any questions, please drop us a message. Otherwise, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at ace.transform, where we will continue to give helpful advice and tips on all things health and wellness. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Hope you are all well. I'm afraid we didn't have a chance to record last week, so we're going to make this week's episode a super duper special one. Yes, we're going to try. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to change a lot your of life. Pressure. No pressure at all. Um, how's it going, Sha? Um, things are good, actually. I mean, things have been pretty normal in the Wickler household. We've had Yaron home. He hasn't travelled. That's good. He grounded himself in January. Um, he's hoping to travel did next week. Did he ground week. himself or did you ground him? No, he ground, grounded or, uh, himself. He was physically and utterly exhausted. Commuting to Miami was a very, um, a lot to ask on his ageing body, unfortunately. And um, he was just completely and utterly messed up and just needed um, to get back to some kind of normality. So it's been so, so nice. I feel like we're like a normal family again. Um, everyone's home for dinner. It's really nice. He's been around helping with football runs and all of that kind of stuff. And um, it's also great for the kids because we all love having him around. So we're all very happy that he's home. Yeah. Um, How about you? We're also completely um, grounded <laughs> for the month of January. What I can't understand is how this is... I know January was always a long month. It's literally going on and on and on and on and on. Yes, but I also feel like it's flown by. Like I know ways. that like it does feel like it's gone on and on and on. I don't know. But I also can't <laughs> quite believe we're hitting February because no. what I'm freaking out about oh. is that my kids have got their GCSEs yeah. and A levels. Really good reason. At the end of this term, they've basically finished school because yeah. it's Pesach late. Yeah, I always say they, that year 11 and 13 don't really happen. It's really, yes, it all happens in, yes. it's quick. And then they kind of break up for Pesach, which will be the end of, like, mid to end of April. Well, it's late. And exams start on, yeah. Erin's well, exams start on the 10th of May. But this so, is the longest ever term, term isn't yeah. it, that we've ever had. So yeah, actually, yeah. It's very long. They, um, it might benefit their yes. exams yeah, this yeah. year. So I'm feeling um, like I want things to... Slow In some down. ways, I want things to speed up so that it's all done with because it's just a horrible time. Um, but in the other side of things, you know, it's a big deal because Erin's going to be leaving home and that oh, don't really get me started. makes me very sad. <laughs> so, um, I tell so you yes. why I'm excited about February is just as we're talking about oldest ones leaving home, Ella as you know, was born on the 29th of Feb. She yeah. was um, she was a caesarean and she wasn't planned for that day. I knew I was having a caesarean. And I always say this, when you mess with nature, it always backfires. Right. So when I sat down with the consultant, and we're talking, this is 20 years ago, he said um, in those days they did caesareans at, was it 39 or 38 weeks? I think, because she was born in Israel, I think it was 39 weeks or maybe somewhere between 38 and 39 um, and I could have chosen any day that week. And I was so smug because I love a good birthday. And I picked 02, 03, 04. I thought that'd be super cool. And I was still at university at the time. And I came home the week before she was born. And there was a message on the answer phone to say, we've cancelled all caesareans for that day. We've moved you to the 29th of Feb. And I just went, oh. 
So she's really technically turning five. She's yeah? turning five, so I'm planning a big, big kids' fifth birthday. For <laughs> <laughs> your 20 year old daughter. Yes, jelly, <laughs> the works. But finally, well, enough, and I won't, we'll move on to some real content my sister is due to give birth at the yes. end of february yes and it there is obviously a 29th this yeah. year so we were just trying to work out the chances that there would be two like first cousins born that would be pretty cool yeah on the 29th tell everyone about your fancy birthdays in your house i love that oh okay just this is really off topic here but um so talking about weird birthdays yeah um me and my sister share a birthday three years apart my mum and her sister share a birthday four years apart and my mum's sister's two daughters and my first cousins. Um, and one of them listens to the podcast, so you'll know I who love I'm it. talking about. Um, she, she, they also, their two sisters also share a birthday for three years apart. I want to know what the statistics are. If someone could work out the statistics of that happening and get back to us, that so would be cool. So I was so sure that I would do the same, that I was having so Theo is four years younger than Erin yeah and he was born he was due the 31st of August yeah Erin was born the 11th of August and Erin was two weeks early so there's always a possibility there's always a possibility that baby can be born early so the night that of the 10th of August when I was pregnant with Theo so he's my number three Yaron had to get up and travel, obviously, the <laughs> next day. And I refused to let him go because I was having some kind of Braxton Hicks contractions, which I had tons of with all my pregnancies right at the end. And I was just like, I could very possibly go into labour today. It's the 11th of August. You are not going away. And I wouldn't let him go. And obviously no baby came. And no baby came for three or four weeks later. So He's September, was September, isn't he? Yeah, so he was year. really annoyed with me. He missed a work trip and... I was completely crazy. Anyway. I'm sure it was very helpful to have him around at 40 weeks pregnant with with two two other other kids. kids. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Anyway, Anyway. let's talk about (laughs) what we actually came on here to talk about. Um, It's so interesting because, you know, we shout about exercise, we shout about protein. Sometimes we feel like we are... Banging our heads against a wall. Seriously. But I see tiny little positive changes in the world that it's more than tiny little yes it's quite if you think about how when we started off in the industry there was so little evidence-based um you know proper science-backed people out there was a lot of you know bro science yeah wishy-washy advice wishy-washy advice Mm. and people taking advice from all sorts of people and i'm sure people still do and um, people might like the look of someone and say, well, I want to look like yeah. her, so I'm going to follow everything she does. Um, which, you know, whatever. But there are more and more brilliant people out there shouting more and more brilliant Yeah, stuff. and what's so amazing and mind-blowing is we sit in this evidence-based world, which means that it's constantly moving. So what we thought a certain amount of years ago is constantly moving, evolving and changing. And And we can very happily say, you know what, maybe we were wrong about something. I was actually listening to uh, BioLane talk about that. He was saying, you know, anyone who is still standing by the same points they stood with when they started, you know, working in this industry is not going to be evidence-based. 
Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about this new protein study that Martin McDonald has um, had a quick chat about on one of his podcasts. It's really interesting. But I was listening to a podcast this morning and Charlotte had told me to listen to it. Um, Dr. Chatterjee. Chatterjee, yes. Which absolutely is, great. Uh, what is it? Feel better, move more? Something exactly. Like that. And he talks a lot about the four pillars of health. Um, and he had on this morning Dr. Gabrielle Lyons, who is someone we look up to highly. Um, she created this like line, uh, muscle is the organ of longevity, which I just think is... It's, it's perfection. Yes. I mean, I wish I came up with that. Yes. I would bottle it, coin it, put it on all my T-shirts. Yes. Because um, it really is. Yes, well, she was a... And I'm not sure if she still is, but she was a geriatric doctor. And that is how she started realising how important... And that's why she started looking into this whole longevity thing and, you know, how important it is um, to exercise, build muscle, eat protein. She talks bangs on the whole time about eating animal protein um, and why it's so important for us. Um, and so she is a really interesting person. If you haven't um, followed her on Instagram or listened to any of her podcasts, yeah. uh, we highly, highly recommend because if you're not going to listen to us, um, you might listen to her. <laughs> yeah, and also what she, you know, says so rightly is that we don't have an um, obesity pandemic what we have is a muscle issue. Yes. Because, you know, building muscle, having muscle, um, um, cures almost so many of the issues we're dealing with in life, which is diabetes, your blood uh, glucose levels, obesity, you know, as yeah, in yeah, yeah. being overweight, nutrition, etc. And it's really, um, it's fascinating listening to her. Um, but what was interesting listening to this specific podcast is that Dr. Chatterjee's, um, his, his first book is The Four Pillars of Health, and he discusses how sleep, uh, relaxation, um, what is it, meditation, um, stress and I don't know if I've got this all right. Um, what was the fourth one? Uh, air movement um, is essentially, um, you know, the cure again for for longevity, for for living well, for being as healthy as you can. And um, so he brings this up and he says, you know, alongside strength training and protein, you know, what is the impact of being tired? What is the impact of being stressed when? dealing with things like exercise and nutrition. And, um, you know, they were discussing the correlation and it's really, really interesting because, you know, Dr. Lyons brought up this um, study uh, talking about how when you are tired, it has a direct effect on how uh, on protein synthesis. Protein synthesis is the um, sort of the trigger you need in order to build muscle. So the more tired we are, even if we're exercising and even if we're having protein, they're still going to have an effect on how much muscle we can build if we are very tired. And the same with stress and the yep. hormones that are released. And I just thought that was really, really interesting because so often, you know, we will go to the gym no matter what, but maybe there's a... A line a, where exactly. we need to think about uh, but, stress management on your body and how... Uh, uh, but is that also, you know, if your body is very stressed yeah. and then you go to the gym and put more physical stress on your body, yeah. does that all have an impact? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, she did just, sorry, just to bring up this, another study that she brought up with soldiers, very, very tired soldiers, and exercising when these soldiers were very, very tired. 
that was a big yawn talking about being tired. Um, and she says there was actually an opposite correlation. Um, I didn't follow the whole thing. I was walking dogs and kids and whatever. But that it was a side note. So let's just park that for now. Okay. But um, it really is, you know, we really do have to look at um, this as a holistic um, lifestyle, don't we? Um, Absolutely. But that's what we talk about all the time. Yeah. And that um, everything comes hand in hand. You know, everyone thinks like, you know, first port of call when it comes to health is weight loss. And so I must go and exercise. But people don't think about, you know, what, how their food is involved in their weight loss until it starts becoming, a, you know, well, what are you eating? And, yeah. um, and actually understanding the fact that, you know, exercise alone is only going to be about 5% of your daily energy expenditure. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are, you know, how you eat, how you move throughout the day, and that doesn't mean actual workouts, but just if you're Movement. sitting behind a computer all day and not doing any steps or any walking around at all, if you don't commute to work, if you don't get on a tube or go upstairs or anything, um, then that's also going to have a huge effect on your metabolism. So it really is important to think about everything um you know as as not as one as all the different aspects of your life and how you can improve on a little bit of everything to kind of improve the yeah. um kind of long lasting outcome i think the two messages that we really struggle to get across although you know not for lack of trying is number one how much protein people actually need to be consuming in a day i always think people underestimate I don't I don't know if it's they don't that it just seems too much too unattainable to get to 100 120 150 grams of protein in a day or if they genuinely sort of think you know like we were talking about hard-boiled eggs like two hard-boiled eggs comes to 14 grams of protein and if that's your meal it's really not enough to do much to accompany your protein synthesis building muscle so that's the first thing I always go on Yes, um, but I do think that, like, we had this chat before on our group. Yeah. I think that people are becoming more and more aware of their snacks are becoming more... Yes. Protein-centric. Centric. Um, and people are looking, you know, in the past, people didn't even know where to yeah. track their protein. People are, do seem to be keeping a bit more of a track. Yeah, and, um, and also... Protein. Our biggest issue, really... Is the exercise. No, it's not the exercise. I'd say our biggest issue is people heading for plant-based proteins and thinking that's enough. Mm. Um, and having, you know, lentils for lunch. Or some chickpeas in a salad. Yes, and, and then saying, well, I've had my protein. But if you actually look at how much protein is in the, yeah. your, you know, chickpeas or your lentils, yes, there'll be some protein, but it's not, it's not enough. Yeah, and it really, like, it really falls hand in hand. You cannot build muscle by exercising alone and not having the right nutrition. And you can't build muscle by having the right nutrition and not the exercise. And it's not just doing the exercise. It's about really putting those muscles under under um, stress. stress it's not you can't just go to the gym and just you know do 10 reps here 10 reps here and not really push yourself and I don't mean it ha- you have to get to the point you're really out of breath and you're you know on the floor and you're a heap of sweaty mess but you have to be working towards a progressive um, overload you have to overload those muscles which means that if you're doing 12 reps or something you know rep 
9, 10, 11 and 12 need to be feeling like really hard. And, and if they're not, it, then go yeah. up and wait. And if you, you fail, and, and I always say this, this is why it's so confusing. If you fail, you have succeeded. If you can't get that 11th and 12th right about, that's it. Then you you know have you're, you're stressed right out. Weights, exactly. Yeah. Those muscles. And next week you might get the extra rep. And by the third week, you would have got all 12 reps. And at which point we would say, well, go up a weight now and yeah. do it all again. And that is what we're looking for when we say, you know, exercise. Overload, yeah. um, I still... I still hear this conversation so much, Sharla, and that is, I know we should exercise, but, you know, really, I just want to be thin. So that's the first thing. The other thing I hear a lot is, so like, I'm only going to focus on the food. The other thing we hear a lot is, um, I ate too much, so I'm going to go for a run, or, you know, I'm going to try and undo, or out, basically yes. out-train my yes. bad diet. So we were talking a little bit about this yesterday on our stories. Yeah. Um, that people really still have this idea of that, you know, exercise should almost be a punishment. Um, if they haven't kind of punished themselves um, and they don't feel completely like ragged afterwards, mm. um, then they haven't done it right and they won't have burnt off the calories they need to burn off and they'll feel like, you know, they haven't done anything. It's a bit like dieting, isn't it? If it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel like you've, you know, gone out your way, that it's really hard. But, you know, someone just texted someone I wrote a program for and she says, and dare I say it, it was actually enjoyable. And it's so funny, isn't it? Because... You know, like you we saying, love exercise and we want everybody to love it. <laughs> um, but yes, well, you, sorry, you were saying... No, I was just saying that there's this narrative that like exercise is so tightly entwined in our behaviour around food and how we eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that it should be a punishment. But actually, no, it should be something that you enjoy. It should and... be something you enjoy and it should be comp- its own separate entity to... Um, how you ate and your relationship yeah. with food. And what we want you to think about when you're working out is, you know, what you're doing for your future self. Um, I say this all the time. I've probably said it on here before, but um, I say this to all my clients. Look at the generation above you. Look at the, you know, people in their <coughs> 60s and 70s now who are fit, um, who are in good shape, who are still able to have lots of energy, run around after their grandkids, travel, um, busy, 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 and compare them to the people that are overweight, that have health issues, that um, can't physically keep up with your kids. And when I'm not talking about being able to keep up with a four-year-old, but I'm talking about being able to actually, you know, spend the day with them, yeah. run around after them a bit, you know, take them out for a day, things like that. So that is who you are exercising for now. You are exercising for you, you at 60, 70, so that you have the energy the, to carry on with life. Because nowadays we live longer than we ever used to. Absolutely. And we want to be able to make the most of our lives and not spend the last 20, 30 years of our lives feeling like we physically can't do all the things that we'd like to still be doing. So that's how you need to think about exercise. Forget thinking about exercise as a way of losing weight. Yeah, It's not, unless you are running a marathon every single day, which I'm pretty sure most of you are not, um, that, you know, you are not burning enough calories to even think about it being a way of losing weight. And I just want to add to that, um, and again, we've spoken about this a lot, um, 
I hope you know this already because that means we have got through to you or you're, you know, watching the right people. Um, but osteoporosis is a massive problem, especially in women, especially in postmenopausal women. Um, someone would normally get um, diagnosed with osteoporosis if they've had a fall and have broken something. And it tends to be a fall that doesn't happen, it, it, not a massive impact. So um, if you've just sort of fallen at ground height and broken something, they will send you immediately for a DEXA scan and chances are you've got osteoporosis. And you hear about people as they age who have these falls who end up in hospital, who end up possibly having surgery, and then very suddenly dying, a very quick decline. In fact, my mum's first cousin died last week, 85. She was in great health. Um, she fell. She ended up in surgery. No one knows exactly what happened, but they suspect an infection and sepsis. And within you know a week, she had died. And it's awfully sad. Um, but exercise is there to A, prevent the falls, B, to make sure that if you do fall, that you don't end up yeah. with smashed bones, you know, osteoporosis. Yeah. When you do resistance training, you can halt, um, you know, the decline of the bones. You can keep them strong. Um, and also exercise and the muscle. The muscle becomes your scaffolding. It becomes your, your um, well, scaffolding. It's the best way to explain it, isn't it? Yeah. And as we naturally lose muscle, we have to be building that muscle back up. You know, old people become frail. It, they become frail because they're losing muscle. They're, they're almost wasting away. Then yeah. they're shrinking because their bones are shrinking. And, and you can see, you can see their skin starts hanging off them. Yeah. Um, their clothes start fitting them differently. Um, and there's a, there's a look where someone um, is losing their muscle. Yeah. Um, and you I can really, really see I it just want to add that there is a massive genetic component to this. <laughs> and you have some people who have... I train an 80-year-old man. I just trained him earlier today and he is solid. He is solid. He is, he's not lost any size. His posture is great. He is a solid guy. And he is actually, what he tells me is in his youth, he was someone who did a lot of manual labor. Right. A lot of, he used to show me how he threw the potatoes, which, you know, right. so much of how we train people is functional training. It's yeah, stuff well, it we just use shows in real you life. Muscle memory is. Yeah. Is, so this uh, is someone who's, built up strength in those years where you can really build it up and he's yeah. managed to sustain it and it is it's huge and I can compare that to other people who I train who are older who don't have great posture and are struggling with a slightly kyphotic posture that's when your back starts rounding and your you know chest muscles start shortening and again that's a sign of our times as well it's to do with how we sit and how we uh, move in a day but if you want to give yourself the best chance at you know, aging well, you need to build muscle and you need to be eating protein. Um, so to give that to yourself. Yes, and also just slightly going back to osteoporosis, what, you, what we will notice is, hopefully, yeah. is that the generation above us, so our, our mother's generation, uh, didn't, a lot of them didn't want to take HRT because yeah. at the time there was a lot of worry of breast cancer. A lot of GPs were telling women not to take HRT. Um, but that meant that there's a whole uh, generation of women that have had no estrogen mm -hmm. or, a, or a massive decline of estrogen for many, many years. And that decline of estrogen is why uh, women are, are likely to um, become or get osteoporosis. So what we are hoping nowadays is that all new studies have come out. More and more women are going on HRT during their perimenopause, which is, you know, possibly, you know, in their early 40s going on. 
Um, and hopefully the fact that they are getting um, or replacing their estrogen yeah. is going to help stall some of this osteoporosis. Now, th- I'm not saying that this is a reason not to exercise. I'm just saying yeah. that it's what we are seeing is quite interesting in terms of the generation above us. There are more and more people that are um, being told they are yeah. um, oste- have osteoporosis. Um, and so, again, you know, I'm going to kind of take it back to this midlife um, perimenopause, which is something that we are now... Um, working on in terms of a program we are working with more and more women in their kind of early 40s who are noticing hormonal changes in their bodies who are starting hrt um, and it is very very interesting um because it is you know real life it's happening it's gonna happen to all of us um and so making sure that you are uh, keeping on top of your diet and exercising and keeping strong is just going to be the most important thing you can do for your body as you age. Absolutely. Um, I think this leads nicely on to um, this next study about protein, which is always, which is really interesting. And I hope you guys find it as interesting as we do, but um, you know, you understand that we love anything to do with um, protein and nutrition. Um, But basically in the past, there was this concept that um, your body can only absorb or use um, something like 20 to 30 grams of protein. So it was always in one, a, in one sitting. So the idea was, is, you know, you go to the gym, you do your workout and you have this anabolic window that, which means muscle, you know, building window that you have your protein shake of 20, 30 grams immediately after your workout. And it's used to um, trigger protein synthesis, yeah. which will then, you know, rebuild those muscles um, stronger and bigger. Um, and could I just say yeah, that if please. you had more than 30 grams, then they used to think that that would possibly just go to waste, essentially. So you will, your body wouldn't absorb it for muscle protein synthesis. Um, it would just kind of go into your um, your system waste. as waste. And possibly if you were in an excess calories, then it would end up in fat cells, essentially. So look, the way we've always um, sort of... Um, given our program is we've always given people a nice protein target to eat in a day. So instead of saying, we always say to people, aim for 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. Um, But if you can reach a protein target of two grams of protein per every kilo of body weight, that's a really nice target to reach over the course of a day. Um, So if you're a person that weighs 60 kilo, aim for 120. But either way, over 100 grams of protein is going to be very beneficial for aging, for weight loss. Protein is the most satiating of all the macronutrients. So people who are trying to lose weight and diet, dieting, um, you know, have a heavily focused protein diet. Um, we're not anti-carbs or fats, but just make sure you are having sufficient protein. And we also love the fact that, and it's minimal as well, but um, there's a higher thermic effect um, when you are digesting protein so it means that you are burning some extra calories when you are eating a lot of animal protein it's true it's also great anyway but um what we wanted to discuss which is really interesting is there was a new study a very recent study out um, we've heard martin mcdonald talk about it martin mcdonald um is essentially who taught us our evidence-based program um mnu um and he's um really hot on 
research. Yeah. Um, and uh, we listened to his quick synopsis of the, um, what do you call it, the study. Yeah. And we've also done all our own research on the side, which is yeah. always interesting, isn't it? Because... Um, well, it's nice to have a read, but sometimes it's uh, quite heavy going. And then when you've got someone who's quite... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He is charismatic and um, nice to listen to. And so he kind of sums it up really nicely for us yeah. and um, takes away some of the heavy work. <laughs> exactly. Um, but basically, this new study, it was looking into how much of that protein is absorbed um, and how much is wasted, or if any. And um, basically, the outcome of this study is that protein essentially isn't really wasted um you know sort of up to 100 grams of protein even if it's in one sitting will get absorbed into your body slowly at some point um but it's not going to be well it depends on the protein go on as well so you've got so basically they took two randomized control studies um and they gave one lot well they actually three people three different groups one lot got 20 to 30 grams of protein Um, post-workout one got 100 grams of protein but with a slightly different blend of protein so the first group was more of a whey protein um, blend the second group the 100 grams of protein was made up of casein and um, and some whey and casein is a slower releasing protein Um, and you might have heard of casein for for nighttime some people's especially bodybuilders will um, have a protein or a casein shake um or supplement something like cottage cheese is quite high in casein um before they go to bed and then they will their bodies as they're sleeping will go through the whole moti protein muscle protein synthesis protein muscle protein synthesis sorry can't speak um and um so yes, so you will be building muscle essentially whilst you're sleeping, which is really, really cool. Um, but it also shows us that um, if you were to have a big meal, let's say you were to sit down and, and what's interesting, I guess, is also for fasters. So there are some people nowadays, there are a lot of people who do some kind of intermittent fasting. And so if you decide that you're not going to have your kind of three regular meals a day, breakfast, obviously lunch and dinner, but you want to get your protein in and maybe two meals, you could have two bigger portions of protein um, at lunch, one at lunch and one really big one at dinner. And you will not, you will, you'll be getting all the protein you need throughout the day, but also you won't be wasting. So if you're having 50, 60 grams of protein in one sitting, the point is, is that you're not going to be wasting 30 grams of that protein, which is really interesting. Um, I noticed in the study they didn't um, discuss age, the ages of the participants taking part in the study, which is one thing. And I'm going to assume that they were youngish, that they were probably people between the ages of 20 and 40. We should probably look it up because... Um, the other thing I wanted to discuss, and this is something we've always known, um, and we've mentioned it a few times on here on our posts, but basically as we age, um, our, the, the system that triggers protein synthesis um, increases. So basically, as we age, we already know that we need to be eating more protein in one sitting in order to trigger that protein synthesis. Um, and, you know, there is definitely a benefit of having a portion of, say, 60 grams of protein in one sitting. And 60 grams of protein is not as hard as you think to get. A really big chicken breast is going to have 60 grams. And people always say, but it's so calorific. But it's not. Because if you have a massive chicken breast, you might it might be 300 
calories worth of chicken. But it is so much chicken that it's actually going to fill you a lot and you won't need many other foods to help fill you in that meal. So you could have it with a stir fry with things like loads of vegetables and some noodles and you've got a meal there for under, under 500 calories. It's over 60 grams of protein. So I think it fits really nicely hand in hand. And not only do we know now that bigger boluses of protein in one go um, don't get wasted, but actually as we age, it's probably going to even benefit us, which is nice. The other thing that's nice to know is I know that lots of our clients struggle with protein at breakfast, don't they? Yeah. That's the time that a lot of people, unless you eat yogurts or eggs, and we find that people don't like to eat eggs for breakfast because okay. that's a real lunchtime food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if so, if you're a toast eater or a porridge eater and you're struggling to add protein to your porridge, which we have plenty of ways to do that, by the way. Um, but if you don't like it <laughs> or you're struggling to add um, protein to your breakfast... I guess what Anna's trying to say is that there's a little less stress on that. Yes, you could have it, you could have your 60 grams at lunch and 60 grams at yeah. dinner and you are sorted. And what, yes, so really what you want to think about is, you know, you're still trying to aim to hit, let's say, 120 grams of protein on average. And how you do that um, kind of matters a little less because it doesn't have to be yeah. this kind of drip feed of protein throughout the day. Um, again, you know, people always ask, how do I get that amount of protein in a day? Um, and it's not as hard as you think. It really isn't. So look, myself and Charlotte, we've got our staples. So things like Greek yogurt, masses of protein with minimal calories. They really are. Yeah. Um, you've got your chicken breast, like I just said, 60 grams in one sitting. You've got a tin of tuna, a tin of tuna, somewhere between 24 and 28 grams of protein in one can. I always find it amazing when people say, I had half a can of tuna. I eat the Why? whole can. It's, it's also so, so little calories. It's so... It's only about 100 calories for a whole it is can of tuna and if you add some cottage cheese to that guys you're getting like 35 to 40 grams yep. of protein depending on how much cottage cheese you're having as well um, um i was just going to say what our best bit of advice is when people are you know struggle to reach their protein goals is there's two two ways to increase the amount of protein you're eating in a day number one take the protein you're already eating and eat more of it so a bigger chicken breast. Half a can of tuna. The whole, the whole can of tuna, you know? Literally double what you are eating. Um, the other really nice way to do it, and that's what me and Charlotte have for lunch every day, is double or triple your protein. Well, so I just wanted to discuss, um, you know, everyone jokes a little bit with us, and we, we've, we take the mick of ourselves about the fact that we eat the same lunch every day. We, did a, we do plenty of reels and plenty of chat about it. Um, and we were saying today, you know, when will we get to a point where, you know, we don't want to eat this lunch anymore? And honestly, I can honestly say I look forward to that lunch every day. Me too. At the weekend, so on Sunday, I had a really busy day. Normally I have it for my Sunday lunch because I always have a run on a Sunday and I'm always starving after a run. So it's like a really good big lunch. And I didn't have time to have that lunch. And so I was so excited that I could have it for dinner on Sunday because it's, first of all, so quick and easy to make. It's, you know, you know what you're getting protein-wise. You know what you're getting calorie-wise. You can add whatever vegetables. We love kale, but, you know, if I don't have kale, I'll grate a courgette into it, cut up loads of mushrooms. You know, there is so much you can add to an omelette. Have you ever heard anyone talk so enthusiastically about a lunch that we've been eating for about three years? Yes, but genuinely, no, and we love our cottage cheese, and we've also realised we used to always have zero-fat cottage cheese. Yeah. Zero-fat cottage cheese is yuck. Well, and compared to full-fat. Compared to full-fat cottage cheese, which actually 
actually isn't much, much more in calories and it is so much more enjoyable. So maybe you'll have to have a tiny bit less, but it's still well yeah. worth the We still have 100 grams. Favor. Yeah. Um, um, but so, no, 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 no. But what I wanted yes. to say <laughs> is that some people are like, no, I don't want to eat the same thing every day. But the truth is, is that to make your life a little easier when it comes to when we talk about lifestyle changes, being consistent, hitting your protein target every day, there will be some meals of your week that should resemble or be pretty much the same. Doesn't have to be on a daily basis, but you should definitely have, you know, like two or three lunches, two or three dinners, or, or maybe be a bit more exciting with your dinners, and two or three breakfasts that you kind of rotate because it will not only make your life easier and you won't have to constantly think about where I'm getting my protein from, but also your shopping list won't have to change that much from week to week. Um, and I just think that if you don't want to constantly be tracking and thinking about how you're going to get um, you know, all, to all your protein targets and your calorie goals and blah, 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 you know, listen to us having a few meals that you repeat it's just not the end of the world yeah but before you hijacked my chat i was I'm just sorry. giving advice <laughs> about how you could increase Personal your about eating the same thing every day <laughs> i just want to um go back to the second point which is um obviously the first point how to increase your protein is to double the portion you're eating. The second way to increase it is to double the protein. So this is why we headed on to our lunches. So for our lunch, we have eggs, we have egg whites, and then we also have cottage cheese with it. And another example of that is, let's say you were having a baked potato, you could have it with tuna and cottage cheese. So if you normally have that baked potato just with cottage cheese, for example, you're adding 100 calories, sure, but you're like over doubling your protein in one sitting. And it's well worth looking at um, either eating, like I said, more of the protein you were anyway going to eat, or adding that second or even third protein. Our favorite is when we see a plate that's got like some smoked salmon and an egg and And some some cottage cheese cheese, and you're like, oh, they've got it. Um, But I think we have banged on a little bit um, well, a little bit, a lot about protein today. Um, we won't keep you for too much longer. Go on. No, I was just going to say it is, you know, we'll constantly be talking about it because it is, it really is the kind of wonder macronutrient. And I really do hope that um, we're starting to get, to get into your head and that um, you are seeing the benefits. Like I can tell you, from myself that as soon as I start eating more protein and I've been really consistently hitting like a minimum of 120 grams since I came back from holiday um, and it's noticeable it really is it really does it I'm, I feel stronger I'm lifting heavier um, I feel like some of the fluff has gone um, which is always kind of you know post-holiday when you kind of come home and you're feeling a little soft around the edges so to speak <laughs> Um, you know, you do see a difference in your body composition um, when you eat more protein. And essentially, at the end of the day, what do most people come to us for? And that is to look better and feel better. Yeah, and, and we, we do it in the full knowledge that we are going to make you live longer um, in better health. Yeah. So that's always so, nice. Um, look at your look at your plates. Look at, you know, think about, we don't 
necessarily insist that you meal plan, although we do feel like meal planning is a really important um, organisational skill to, to do and to have um, to ensure that you are eating well throughout the week. Um, but even if you just meal plan around your protein yeah, and just say, you know, I'm going to have these three different lunches, which have got these types of proteins in and I'm going to have these types of dinners, etc., then at least you are doing something to really focus on um, that protein goal. And Definitely. it's only going to be good for your health. Yep. And your waistline. Yep. And um, your 70-year-old self, which we like to talk about. <laughs> um, I just want to finish off by saying, if you have found this episode informative, useful, might um, use some of the information we've given you, then please do you know, A, feedback, B, tell your friends and family, let's get this listenership up. Um, And um, yeah, pass it on to your friends and family so that we can see our numbers just skyrocket. Um, Also, you can find us as always on Instagram at ace.transform, on Facebook the same. Um, And yeah, drop us a message if you enjoyed this episode. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.